Throughout the history of Chinese Americans, we've seen numerous cases of false prosecutions on Chinese American scientists and researchers. Their lives and families have always been negatively affected without a clear justification. To gain a better understanding of why the FBI initiated those prosecutions and how the families of the victims are affected, we had the opportunity to talk to Joyce Shi, daughter of Chinese American scientist Xiao Shengqi, regarding her father's unfair prosecution for being a Chinese spy. Joyce shared with us her first-hand recount of the FBI raid on her family home, which took away her father without sufficient evidence of any violation of the law. How did she react, and what exactly happened? Let's find out. Hello, everyone. My name is Alan. I'm currently a sophomore at UC Berkeley, studying business. Hi, my name is Malcolm, and I'm a senior majoring in data science. Hi, I'm Lily. I'm a fourth year majoring in economics, and today we'll be talking about the persecution of Chinese American scientists given the current climate of hostility between the U.S. and China. According to a recent hearing in April given before the U.S. Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee, over 500 scientists have been placed under investigation on suspicion of being compromised by China, as well as other foreign countries. As tensions between the U.S. and China rises, the U.S. is looking to protect academic research from Chinese institutions. We've already observed this hyper-competitiveness when, in 2011, the U.S. banned China from collaborating on NASA-related activities, including visiting the Internet. National Space Station, a global project hosting scientists from all over the world. While the investigations on Chinese American scientists has been happening over the past decade, on November 2018, the previous Attorney General Jeff Sessions announced a new initiative to combat Chinese economic espionage, where he emphasized that Chinese espionage was not just taking place against traditional targets like U.S. defense and intelligence agencies, but against targets like research labs and universities, and the threat of Chinese. Propaganda on U.S. campuses. Given the U.S.'s demonstrated history of racial profiling, this means that many innocent Chinese Americans will be caught in the crossfire. All right, Joyce. To begin, we have read several articles surrounding the investigation with your father, Xiao Xingxi, in 2015. And with our very surface-level knowledge, we know that your home in Philadelphia was raided by the FBI because U.S. prosecutors accused him of being a Chinese spy and funneling sensitive information out of the country. We were wondering if you were there when this happened, and whether or not this is accurate. Yeah, sure.、Um, so, yeah, in 2015, I was in college at the time, and、um, I was home for a break. It was like the beginning of summer break, and so, yeah, I was there、um, when, you know, one really early morning,、uh, the FBI came knocking. Um, and I actually woke up to,、um, yeah, I woke up to these FBI agents telling me to come out of my room with my hands、yeah. up and like pointing flashlights and you know guns and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.、Um, telling me to come out, and so you know there were a whole bunch of agents, and my dad was being handcuffed and basically taken away,、mm-hmm. and my mom and my sister were there too, and we were just all. Basically, being、uh, rounded up by the FBI agents and kind of watch him take my dad away, and、mm. none of us had any idea why this was happening. But、um, yeah, and that was kind of the start of this whole case and ordeal for my family. Yeah,、um, so、I was there. I saw it all happen.、Um, yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, just by hearing what other people are saying and what you're describing, it definitely would be extremely terrifying uh, just waking up to something like that. And this is something you actually only see in movies and it doesn't really happen in real life. So in addition to that, we are also wondering what were some of your initial reactions to the investigation and how did you feel when your father was accused of being a Chinese spy? Yeah, um... Well, it was really horrible. I mean, we had no clue what was going on. We didn't know why they were there. We didn't have any, you know, we didn't have any kind of like, uh, like, you know, any inclination that this would ever happen. So it really just came out of the blue. Um, And it was scary and confusing and it Mm -hmm. just felt kind of surreal and um yeah I guess you know for me yeah it was that I had just seen stuff like this on tv but I didn't you know quite understand what it was like to go through that in real life and in person um and yeah I mean you know, the FBI agents, they kind of went all around our house and they interrogated mm-hmm. my mom for a really long time. They interrogated my dad, which I found out about later because he was taken away. Um, yeah. And we didn't know where they were taking him. So that was yeah. pretty, pretty rough. And then, um, you know, later that day, uh, my dad had like a court hearing. He had been mm-hmm. in the Philadelphia, like, FBI headquarters and in the jail, um, down in downtown Philly. And, you know, then they brought him into the courtroom. Me and my mom went, uh, to kind of like watch. Um, and that's when we first found out that they were accusing him of these, um, really serious crimes, um, Mm -hmm. that could have led him to 80 years in prison and a million dollars in fines. Mm -hmm. Um, and they were accusing him of, some really horrible like national security related crimes that he, I mean, it just sounded like really absurd because he was not doing any of that stuff. And, um, you know, not only that, but then when, you know, we got the indictment, which is like the, you know, the, the criminal charges and we read through it and it's like the language that they were using and, the things that they said that my dad had done were just like absurd. Like it was just very obvious that they had gotten it wrong. But even, even in that case, we couldn't do anything about it because, you know, here my dad was facing potentially the rest of his life in prison. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when we came home that day, you know, there were all these news, news trucks outside of the house trying to film, um, and then, you know, later that night we watch the news and we see that, you know, oh, you know, my dad is being accused of being an international spy. They're filming from right outside our house. Mm-hmm. Um, all the kind of like major news channels um, were reporting on it saying, oh, you know, Temple University professors, like an international mm-hmm. spy and like, you know, really sensational stuff. So, I mean, it was just really, really surreal and Um, even though we knew that my dad had not, was not a spy and that the things that they were accusing him of doing, he hadn't even done. We -hmm. still had to spend the rest of, you know, that summer and the the next several months 
like figuring out how to defend his case because right, right. You know, we weren't really prepared to do that at the time. Right. So, yeah, um, it was it was pretty bad, pretty scary. Thank you for sharing that, Joyce. I mean, we can only imagine how much inconvenience that has brought to you and your family. However, you guys were able to remain strong and fight back despite what happened. So tell us, Joyce, were you guys able to seek any sort of support or help from anyone? And what did you guys do to remain faithful and keep fighting for justice? Yeah, well, at first, we really had no clue what we were doing because, like I said, you know, my parents they didn't expect this to happen ever. Right, and right. You know, I didn't expect this to happen ever either. And yeah. even the fact that they, you know, it was a criminal case in federal court and brought by the department of justice um, and the FBI who had been surveilling my dad for a long time. Like mm-hmm. we didn't even know how to, like what a federal criminal case was like, how do you get a lawyer? How do you, how do you even defend yourself when something like that happens? So at at first it was really, um, just, we had to really figure out what to do. And (laughs) also because my dad had been smeared all over the news and, you know, it was covered by local and national media. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it was a legal case and anything that we said could be used against us at that right, point. Right. And it was a very, very, you know, charged subject. We weren't able to speak. Uh, we weren't able to really share what was going on with people. And so, you know, there were people, I think friends who like stopped talking to us or like my parents, friends, um, people who oh. kind of like disassociated with us, you know, we were kind of afraid to go out in public because my dad's face had been all the news and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, it was at first really challenging, but, you know, as the months went on, it, you know, fighting a legal case is very stressful. Um, and we had to figure out ways to get support. And so, right. you know, one thing that I did during that time was I just try to reach out to like people that I knew or like, you know, I reached out to some Asian American organizations, like, civil rights organizations and kind of tried to ask for help and ask for support. And, you know, um, I had also learned about some of the other cases, like when Holy's case and Sherry Chen's case is other, Mm -hmm. you know, Chinese American, Taiwanese American scientists who had been accused of, you know, these national security related threats that were not, you know, not true. Um, And whose cases had also been, you know, high profile and then drop. So, you know, just looking into those other cases and seeing which organizations had supported them and how they were able to get, you know, legal help and stuff like that. Eventually we were able to get um, a little bit more support um, and especially advice because, you know, like I said, we had no clue what we were doing at that time. So, mm-hmm. you know, really needed you know, some guidance on how to fight, fight his case. 
Yeah, definitely. Another question we we're going to ask you was actually whether or not you guys looked at other similar cases where the government was investigating other Chinese American scientists. And I'm really glad that you guys were able to go to other people, especially those organizations, to get those help. Uh, and we're also wondering if you can talk a bit more about what kind of support and help did those Asian American organizations provide you? Was it on the legal aspect more, or was it more regarding comfort and guidance along the journey? Yeah. Um, well, I definitely had never heard of Wen Ho Lee and Sherry Chen, and there were um, two other sci- Chinese American scientists whose case had been dropped right before Sherry Chen's case. Right, right. Um, and so, you know, after learning about those cases, um, you know, I start and also learning more about just Asian American history and Asian American organizations mm-hmm. and the history of racial profiling within the United States, especially in the national security context, targeting right. you know Chinese Americans and other Asian Americans. Like, you know, it, it was something that I was really just learning about for the first time because I never learned about it in school. Um, you know, the way our history isn't really taught. So, right, right. You know, because I kind of was forced to learn about it because I was trying to figure out how we could, you know, share with others about the injustice that was happening with mm-hmm. my family. Um, and so, you know, when we reach out to other organizations, it was it was challenging because, you know, my dad had a lawyer already and without knowing the details of the case and without me being able to share the details of the case, I couldn't, right. you know, I couldn't tell people what exactly was going on. But. I was just trying to, you know, share with organizations that like there's a really big injustice happening, like the government surveilled my dad and my family and accused him of stuff he hasn't done before. He hasn't even done like. um, And so in that process, um, there were some individuals who were able to provide some some moral support, like, you know, just uh, demonstrating that they they knew the history of these kinds of cases and, you know, like they were concerned about it and, you know, that I could keep in touch with them. Um, and also some, yeah, like definitely moral support and even some advice on just, (laughs) you know, for example, like when my dad's case was dropped, you know, at, at that point there was a lot of media attention. And so, you know, we didn't really know how to deal with that either. So, you know, was able to get some advice on how to do that. And, um, you know, I had written an op-ed at that time and got some support and help around that. So there were, you know, activists and organizations out there who did eventually come to support us, which (laughs) definitely, you know, really appreciated. Yeah, that sounds great. I think we can all agree on the fact that this has been a pretty unique and difficult process to go through. And since you mentioned that when the case was dropped, you guys received a lot of media attention. So we wanted to ask, what did it feel like for your family to finally be able to move on with your lives? And how soon was it uh, that you guys were able to get back to living a normal life? Yeah, well, you know, the, the, the criminal case and the prosecution was extremely stressful because... Right. You know, my dad was spending just all of his time trying to figure out how to how to prove that he had not done, you know, anything wrong. And, you know, it's very stressful working with lawyers and, Mm -hmm. you know, also just seeing the way that the government had twisted the facts and, 
you know, were just using their their power to try to like ruin our lives basically. Right. right. Um, so every day dealing with the case was really stressful and, you know, we were just preparing to, um, for the worst really. Um, even though we knew that my dad had not done anything wrong, the fact that they could have even brought this case in the first place just shows that, you know, they didn't have to have a basis to, to do something like that to us. So we really didn't know what could, what could happen. So when the case was dropped, it was just a, a huge relief. Like, wow, you know, we don't have to worry about uh, him, you know, spending 80 years in prison or whatever and mm-hmm. going bankrupt and stuff like that anymore. And at the same time, you know, it didn't just go away either because, you know, after months of dealing with this, you know, ordeal and the trauma and the, <laughs> the paranoia and the fear and just being outcast by other people, being smeared in the media, all this stuff. Right. You know, it just doesn't just go away overnight. And, um, you know, even just like we didn't know how the FBI was surveilling us. We knew that they had been surveilling mm-hmm. um, and they had access to just so much stuff from my family. Like they, they took all the electronics. They have access to everything. We didn't know, you know, what they were, you know, trying to do with that. Um, we didn't know if they were still surveilling us. We didn't, you know, you know, it was just a lot of, you know, they they had brought so many resources from the government to accuse my dad of being like a national security threat to this country. So, mm-hmm. you know, that that is like a really big burden to carry. And that's. It's scary. And so just because the case was dropped doesn't mean that that necessarily all went away. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, it cost like we ended up spending a lot of money on lawyers. Um, you know, my dad's job had been impacted. He, you know, lost a lot of funding. He lost a lot of time with his students. He, you know, his research suffered. And, you know, it was just a big emotional turmoil for for all of us and on top of that um you know when somebody does something uh that somebody does something so horrible to you you know you may want an apology or you might want to know why it happened like you know for us we went to congress we wrote you know, people wrote letters to their Congress people, to the Department of Justice, to the FBI, to the Attorney General, um, to the, you know, yeah, just like all these different entities within the government asking for answers. Why did this happen? You know, what uh, to asking for an independent investigation into whether or not racial profiling has been involved in these cases. Like, and we kept asking for answers and all along the way, there were no answers. And so, you know, we haven't received any kind of apology, any kind of recourse. Um, And also, um, we don't even know why the case happened. We don't know how it got started. We don't know why they started surveilling my dad. We don't even know how they got to the point where they actually criminalized his work. So, you know, it's, it's still an ongoing uh, it is an ongoing issue for us. And, you know, we actually have a lawsuit right now, a civil rights lawsuit um, with the with the government and FBI agents involved. And 
we still are waiting on the judge to rule on whether or not the case can move forward. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, we're super glad to hear that the case is finally over. And I think like a lot of the other similar cases that's happening right now or has happened in the past, they never tell you or provide you with a clear reasoning as to why the cases existed or, or where those prosecutions came from. And since you brought up uh, the lawsuits that's happening right now, so we're wondering if you can talk a little bit more about what are the goals of the lawsuits from your family and how far are you guys when it comes to the progress of these lawsuits? Yeah, um, the lawsuit is still ongoing. It's been several years now. Um, you know, really with the lawsuit, you know, a lot of damage was done to my family, like through this process, you know, my dad's reputation, his work, um, all of our lives, you know, were kind of appended um, and just, you know, it instilled a lot of just um, fear and just a lot of trauma onto my family, um, you know, and it was unjust because they, you know, had twisted effects. They didn't have, you know, they accused my dad essentially of doing something that he had never done, which is to pass this pocket heater technology to China, which he never even did. Um, And they should have known better than that um, because the facts were there and they still prosecuted him anyways. Um, And so you know, this was wrongdoing on their part and we have suffered as a result of it. And so, you know, in bringing the lawsuit, it's like, well, we have asked for justice. You know, we've asked for an explanation, apology, you know, recourse, and we haven't gotten it. And so, you know, the lawsuit is a way for us to, you know, push for that really. Um, is to get justice for what happened to my family and to get some answers as well for why it happened and and how it happened. Because like I said, they haven't, um, you know, especially because it's national security, um, the government has a lot of, um, a lot of protections uh, on its own behalf and doesn't, and doesn't have to give that information. You know, a lot of stuff behind a national security, um, context is is extremely secretive for example like you know in my dad's case they had a a fisa warrant uh, which is a basically um a secret warrant that allowed the government to surveil my dad and um fisa uh the fisa courts that give these warrants and the fisa warrants are extremely secretive and so you know, why, why were they able to get that from my dad and why were they able to just surveil him? You know, we don't have those answers. Um, but because it's national security, um, related, um, you know, there's a lot of room for people's civil liberties to be, um, you know, violated. And, you know, that's in my dad's case, you know, they were, they were able to use that to bring this case against him. So, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, uncertainty and secrecy and, um, you know, about, about my dad's case. And so I'm hoping that this lawsuit will bring some answers and some justice, um, not just for my family, but for 
a lot of people in the Chinese American community and otherwise who are facing this fear, um, seeing these kinds of racial profiling cases go up um, and seeing the injustice of it. I think it's creating, um, unfortunately, like a lot of concern within the community. And so, um, yeah, part of, part of my work and part of the reason that I want to be involved in this is, you know, justice for my family, but also so that this kind of thing doesn't happen to anybody else. And that, right, right. you know, if, you know, we're seeing a trend where, um, you know, people who are ethnically Chinese are getting targeted um, a lot. And so, you know, we don't want to see racial profiling continue to happen in this country. Right, right. So, you know, if we can shed more light on it, then hopefully that will be of benefit to more than just us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We totally understand. I think one of like the goals for our project too is to raise awareness on this issue. You know, just like we are doing right now, sort of like a racial profiling activists, bring more awareness and uh, just voice to this topic, right? Get people to know more about it. You know, given like the current events with all the, you know, agent hate going on, uh, I think it's like super, super relevant. And, you know, we're really grateful for the information you're sharing with us. Um, and I guess like one of the last questions you want to ask before we wrap up is just like, because uh, I know you mentioned that uh, it's harder to talk to your friends and family given the situation because of all the, you know, information and FBI surveilling on you guys. Uh, so how have you or your family seen the Chinese American community react to situation like this? And if there's anything more you like to see from, you know, the Chinese American community, uh, you know, for situations similar to this? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, first of all, I think because of the, you know, the seriousness of what happened and just how, how terrifying it is for anybody to have to go through this. Um, and the fact that they were able to bring this type of case against my dad, even though he had done nothing wrong. So the question is like, what's preventing this from happening to anyone? Like, you know, it, there was nothing protecting my dad from this. So it really could happen to so many other people. And you know, I think with this new China initiative by, you know, the federal government and, you know, this kind of um, really pervasive, um, like China bashing rhetoric that's happening in the national media and just in the national discourse, like it really creates a scary environment for people to feel that, oh, like, you know, our community is being lumped into, you know, quote unquote, foreign threat you know, or being cast in this negative light and that that will create conditions that, that make it harder for people to do their jobs, you know, without feeling targeted or being surveilled or something like that. And so, you know, when this happened to my dad, this was several years ago, but obviously in the current day and age, these types of cases are really ramping up. And people are, I think people are really scared you know, like, um, you know, my dad and I would, you know, go speak at these different events and people would come up to us afterwards and be like, thank you so much for sharing. Like, there's so much fear. There's so much shame. You know, people are afraid because they're afraid something might happen to them. 
you know, even if people think that my dad hasn't done anything wrong, they could imagine that people would be more afraid to associate with my dad now because of what happened to him. Right. So, you know, there's just a lot of fear, I think, and just concern that, um, you know, racial profiling could really target our communities. Um, I think that there's also been a lot of vocal support for people like my dad and Sherry Chen and, you know, speaking about Wen Ho Lee's case and, and, and other cases. So I think people are, you know, my hope is that people will become more and more aware and speak up against these issues and make sure that, you know, whenever the government does something like this, that there's accountability um, and that, um, these types of cases don't keep happening. And if they do, we'll continue to speak out against it and support, you know, community members who are, who are dealing with these kinds of, um, you know, injustices. Um, and another thing I'll just add is that, you know, racial profiling of the Chinese American community is nothing new, right? It has been happening for centuries since, you know, since Chinese Americans and other Asian Americans first started arriving on this continent. Um, and it has always been important for us to speak out and for us to highlight this history of, you know, racism, xenophobia, uh, violence, um, and all these issues that our communities have faced. And not only that, but within the context of the U.S. government um, or the U.S., um, you know, other communities, Black, Indigenous, and people of color communities have been, you know, um, experiencing racial profiling, violence, um, state violence, and persecution by the U.S. government for a long time. And so, you know, these issues are related to each other. Um, for example, like, you know, when my dad's case first uh, became big news, a lot of the, you know, understanding and support for my situation and my family situation came from folks like Japanese Americans who had been, you know, incarcerated during World War II and accused of being, quote unquote, national security threats and spies, right? For, for no reason other than, you know, having Japanese ancestry. And from uh, Muslim Americans who after 9-11 had been targeted you know, in the name of national security um, and whose communities had also been heavily surveilled and targeted by the FBI who had seen these kinds of unjust prosecutions within their community too, right? And then, you know, um, even, you know, learning from people who experienced the FBI targeting of black civil rights activists during the civil rights era um, and COINTELPRO. Um, where, you know, the FBI had created um, a specific program to target, you know, Black leaders um, and Indigenous leaders and those who were fighting for social, um, social justice. So I think it's important for our, all of our communities to learn history and to learn about how all these issues have, have been occurring for a long time and are also related to one another um, because, yeah, it's important to understand why we're at where we're at today. 
based on what has happened in the past. This brings us to the end of our interview with Joyce. Recently, we've seen political actors push forward aggressive rhetoric about the Chinese government. And as working Chinese Americans are now seen as potential national security threats, we can expect to see even more violations of the rights and privacy of Chinese Americans. As anti-Chinese sentiment grows in the US, there may be more Chinese Americans affected by these blind accusations and surveillance tactics. Unfortunately, all but one of the claims in the lawsuit brought on by Professor Xi was dropped in early April. The court dismissed the claim that the FBI made reckless false statements in support of the prosecution, and it dismissed Professor Xi's claim that the FBI investigation violated the Equal Protection Clause based on his Chinese ethnicity. Essentially, the government is allowed to freely surveil and prosecute Chinese Americans based on their ethnicity. Additionally, there is no recourse for families who've had their reputations smeared and their careers destroyed. To prevent this from happening, the government needs to know that it will be held accountable for causing pain to families like Joyce's. This is why sharing these stories of racial profiling and government scapegoating is so important, so these issues aren't just brushed away. Lastly, we'd like to thank Joyce for her time and her passion for sharing her story to raise awareness of these important issues facing the Chinese American community. And we wish her luck in finding justice for her family. Thank you all for taking the time to listen to this podcast. We hope the community can come together on these issues, and we hope you will continue to look out for cases like Professor Xi's in the future. Thank you, and goodbye.